Oh, my asshole's bleeding. Nice. Tell us about your asshole. How's it, how's it bleeding? I don't want to. Oh, can we not open it up like this? Welcome to the Bloody Asshole Podcast. Hi guys, We've got a lot of bloody, a lot of bloody assholes today. Hi guys, I'm Aaron. This is Barry, and this is Vernon. We're talking about E3, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Begrudgingly. What happened at E3? Video games, Aaron. Video games happens every year. I didn't go though, so you got to explain to me what happened. I'm um, like, I'm like the Luke Skywalker of this podcast. You're, you're the uh, the audience surrogate. Yeah. You're the Harry Potter. I'm the Mark Hamill in the Last Starfighter. Was Mark Hamill? I haven't seen mm. the Last Starfighter. Was I, don't he the, I don't think it was Mark Hamill. It wasn't Mark I lost Hamill. my voice. Wasn't that Matthew Broderick? I lost my voice at E3. Was that War Why? Games? Were you were you screaming about how much you love video games? Yeah, I just, I just could show. yeah, I just could not get enough of video games. Okay, so up top, <laughs> E3, this is the first year where it's genuinely open to the public. Well, they they had a cap, I believe, of fifteen thousand. And tickets. that cap was met immediately. Instantly. Okay. Like, like, quantum scientists are still puzzled as to how it happened that fast. Okay, well, because people like video games. It was a thousand dollars a pop. I remember when I was a kid, and people would talk about E3 like it was fucking the mecca of everything. It oh was. yeah, whenever I, like, whenever I read about it in, in Nintendo Power, I would, like, lose yeah. my mind. Like, I will never ever go to E3, I must go. I remember that vividly. Reading Again, reading Nintendo Power, I read EGM, too, and they would have these massive, it would be like, Front cover E3 news. Yeah. You'd be like, holy shit. Yeah, but it was also before like everything that was announced at E3 was instantaneously available online. So there was a little bit of mysticism in it and waiting to, like waiting for the the news monthly to come out. It's like, oh, this is the thing that are at E3. Right. I think information traveled a lot slower back then, so it made it more magical. Information was slower and and also uh the game's business was smaller. Uh, so every announcement was more impactful as a result. Very true, yeah. Um, and also, in, even in the last couple of years, we've seen, like, Nintendo is just like, yeah, we're not going to do a stage show anymore. We're not going to do a presentation. We're just going to stream some stuff. Which is way better. Which is way better. And um, more controlled, less awkward. Because... But now you're seeing more and more publishers do the same thing, where they're like, oh, we have the entire year to announce stuff, and the, all the attention's on you. Yeah. You say, oh man, we're going to do some crazy Ubisoft shit, and then everyone's like, okay, we're going to watch Ubisoft today instead of E3, which is constantly vying for yeah. all of these different eyeballs. And then there's the the upside of not going to E3, <laughs> which is that you, you can get to just, keep your voice. You can just watch the streams, and you don't which miss anything. Better. Yeah, but when you're at E3, you're like, oh shit, there's a presentation. I got to log on to my phone, I guess, and mm-hmm. I'm like in line at Xbox or something, right? Waiting to play some fucking I don't fucking know pirate game. Dude, Sea of Thieves was game? great. Is that what it was? Yeah, we played Sea of Thieves last year. Yeah, everybody was all over that shit. Is it out yet? No, it was at E3 again this year, but the lines were capped, so I didn't get to check it oh out. Oh my god, well that's the problem, right? Well, yeah. So that's what I kind of wanted to get into. Like, like I I've been to like six or seven E3s now. I've been to quite a few. The first one I went to was 2009, maybe 2010. Um, and even back then, like, I had no reason to be there. I was there 100% as a fan, just like, oh, my God, I'm at E3. Oh, yeah, just e- just walk e- around. E3 2012 was me trying to, uh, me getting in, like, through really just, like, kind of half-formed press credentials. I wrote yep. for a website oh, yeah. that I, I don't know if it exists anymore. Stop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> game dot dot dot. Yeah. Stop. I'm a manager at GameStop. Yeah. Um... So I'm not saying like, oh man, I have so much reason to be at E3. I'm not conducting business there. But as time has gone on, like we 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 went in 2013 as grumps and we like went mm. booth to booth and dropped our business cards in a bucket of shit at every PR desk and like tried to make connections that never really became anything. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. And then in going after literally that, literally zero, literally nothing. They, they, we, we would meet up at a, like a, a PR desk and be like, "We're from Game Grumps. We have this many subscribers. We want to work with you, etc." And they'd be like, "Okay, like we don't care." I think the um, best thing that we got was we got video cards from, from AMD. AMD. AMD was was super cool. Yeah, they were just like, "You're press here. Take our free video cards." And it was like, "These are good." Like, well, most uh, of the real connections. Or they're we... processors. Yeah. Well, 2013. That was a uh, that was still sort of like a year when let's playing hadn't really hit the mainstream yet, right? I guess not. I mean, it was definitely big. Yeah. But it wasn't like, but like big money big. E3 2017, know. E3 2016 was like let's put the influencers up in the announcements. Like let's have people I'll, I'll on say the press. Twitch stuff. didn't have a booth that year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely different. Um, and even like YouTube had a booth last year. Yeah, yeah. YouTube they didn't gaming. have a booth this year. I guess they had some off-site stuff. Mm-hmm. Unrelated. Um, how do we how do we get a flag in Rocket League? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were rolling through that last Just night. We saw Rocket like Funhouse and we saw uh, Game Over Greggy, and I was like, we should have knocked on Psionic's door. Where's Old Bergy? Walked by them. Psion- Psionics, if you're if you're listening, like we can, we'll provide the assets. It'll be super easy. Just let me know the dimensions. I'll we throw that together in Rocket Photoshop League. real quick. And you are so loud right now. Oh uh, yeah. Um, let me see if I can turn myself which down. One, That's number one. one. Yeah, I'm not peaking, so we can we can fix that in post. You're but definitely peaking that. at Try certain points. Testing, testing. My name is Vernon Shaw. I got the old raspy Emma Stone voice. You know how that is. Well, you're also like right on the mic. Oh yeah, let me back off a bit. Well, no, I dropped your game, so you're good. Okay. You, you okay. It's comfortable. How's that looking now? Is that looking more balanced? Check, check, check. Okay. Hello, what's up? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, where were we talking? E3. Um. Yeah, so, like, when we first started going to E3 as, like, Game Grumps and as, like, business professionals trying to do the E3, um, it didn't really pay off. So then as I kept going to E3, because every year I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'll submit my shit to E3, and if they accept it, they accept it. And they keep accepting me. They keep saying, yeah, you can have a free industry media badge. Um, So it's like, well, I'll just keep using it then. And, And as I've gone over the years... My E3 experience has become, okay, I want to find the weird, smaller dev teams, the indie games that aren't part of the press conferences, that aren't being really reported on by the big uh, media blogs and whatnot. Uh, I just want to find weird shit that's not going to have a line. Um, and I've had a lot of success in past years. You know, I, 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 in fact, last year, as I was leaving E3, I made a note on my phone of all the games that I played at E3, and it's like a pretty decent list. I played everything last year. Um, I played Abzu. I think I might have play, played Thumper for a bit. Mm. I was like getting around because so, Sony would have like a pile of PlayStation Network games like all bundled up in a corner. Microsoft would have their like hallway of like, here's Cuphead and here's all this other weird shit. Um, and this year they didn't have that at all. At all. Really? It was all focused on the big Destiny 2, Star Wars Battlefront 2, uh, Call of Duty. It was like everything that's big and coming out. You got to pre-order it. Like, that's the, what they wanted to focus on. I don't know if that's because of the increased public presence. I kind of want to point the finger in that direction because it's it's just, it feels like it's moving away from, like, oh, I need some water. They make more money. I remember walking into the fucking... money gets people in line and, like, <laughs> like contained instead of just wandering around. Well, remember when we went that one year and we walked into the Ubisoft booth and it was just, like, a fucking compound? And we were like, what the fuck? And then they were like, oh, come play the new Assassin's Creed or whatever. Yeah. And then and it was just glitching like crazy. <laughs> and we were, like, commenting on it. And it was like, look at that guy. He's fucking twitching around. And the guy, and the guy presenting was like... <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> okay, so that was the same year that Ubisoft had their... 
their controversy about the girl character. Yeah, because it was like four player co op, and it was all they could all be men, and people were like, why why don't you have women characters? That'd be neat. They're and it's like they animate. could have had any thousands of reasons why, and they're like, oh, it would have doubled the time to animate it. <laughs> people were like, what? That is the weirdest reason why you wouldn't do that. So it's also I like think not as, true. I think yeah. as a result, like. All of the the pre presenters at, at Ubisoft that year were like, we cannot go off script. Everyone felt really robotic that year, because mm. because <laughs> I don't remember because the guy was giving us that demo. Um, he was showing off that that demo, and we were watching these cutscenes and stuff. And I was like, did you work on this game, or like, are you just like PR like hired by Ubisoft for this event? He's like, no, I made the cutscene you're watching. And I was like, what? I want to talk about that. And he's like, welcome to the beautiful city of Paris. We have 15,000 <laughs> polygons on display. Like, he was, like, reciting stuff off. And it's like, no, I want to talk to you because your job sounds super interesting. And we couldn't really talk about it. That's not really the point of E3, so I don't really blame him. But Who cares? I want to like, learn you're about... You're the one guy in a booth. Hi, I'm from <laughs> Game Grumps. We talk about fart jokes. And they, like, it's well, like, of course. All right, I'll talk about my cutscene. I don't give a shit. Well, oh, you're just saying like he should have been able. Yeah, to... Yeah, it's like humanity, it. man. Like yeah, exactly, and he seemed like he wanted to talk about it. I just get the impression that Ubisoft was like, no one say shit to the media. Yeah. <laughs> We're on lockdown. Yeah, because don't especially really... don't say things about how hard women are to animate. Because gosh knows they are. The fucking the super funny bug was was there. I mean, the, the setup's not funny. There was a guy being like put down to be like chopped his head off from a guillotine. Oh yeah, that's right. And they put his body down. His head got chopped off, and then like the ragdoll engine bugged out, so his headless body was going like on the like board that he was laid down <laughs> on, and and the guy presenting was like, "This was like a really dark time in French history." And he's like, just chilling around. Ah, what a dark time. Yeah, it was really goofy. Did you have a favorite game of the show of this year? Yeah. Uh, so that that was what I wanted to get into. Like, so so last year I had this list of all these games I played. I saw some hands off stuff. I got hands off of ukulele. Um. Watch some demos of some other stuff. Like they, they had this year, they have those giant theaters now. The fuck is hands off? Like you play watch someone else play. It. Yeah, oh. they got that thing where it's like the diodes that okay. go on your skull. Uh, it's, it's someone else playing it, and you get to watch it because they're like, "Oh, we don't trust you to break our game at E3. It's oh, okay. not ready for that." But they want to show it, like, "Oh, it's a thing that's working." Um, but I played a bunch of indie games, a bunch of stuff this year. I played three games, and I got hands off of one more. So it was much less. Uh, accessible for me as someone just like I don't have interviews I don't have appointments I'm gonna wander around and look at stuff everything was massive lines everything was capped off um, so in terms of what I played Mario Odyssey is the clear winner yeah because we got we got some we had a, a, an appointment with Nintendo which is the only reason we were able to play it without yeah, waiting we didn't, we didn't get to play super much else if I remember correctly no uh, so, so I played Mario Odyssey quite a bit as much as I could played like five minutes of Mario Plus Rabbids just because I wanted to kind yeah. of Feel it. Not enough to get a strong impression, but I'm definitely curious. Yeah. I, think it, I think it could actually be pretty good, mm -hmm. which I was not expecting. Well, yeah, um, that, that image that's been going around of the creative director of uh, <laughs> yeah. of, of Yeah. Uh, oh, he's like crying. Yeah, yeah. That, that image fucked me up, man. Well, do you know how that game came to be? No. So, so I don't know exactly how the pitch developed, but somehow Ubisoft's got in their heads. So like, we're going to make a game for the Switch like shortly after launch, because that's what Ubisoft does. They had, like, Zombie U at the Wii U's yeah, launch. Like yeah, they've always been right. early on Nintendo consoles. So, like, okay, what are we going to hit the Switch with? And they were like, okay, let's do a Mario plus Rabbids crossover. So they developed a prototype in, like, a crazy short amount of time. And then it might have been last year's E3. They didn't specify. Maybe it was two years ago. They brought this prototype to Nintendo and, like, Miyamoto. And we're like, uh. Yeah. So that this guy, the guy who was crying, was like, he's, like, the, the lead designer on it. 
was basically like, here's my idea for like Mario fan fiction, Miyamoto-san. And Miyamoto was like, because of this man's passion in in uh, presenting this this pitch, he was like, we, we greenlit it. We we're like, yep, let's do this. Oh man! So it's like, can you imagine being like, yeah? Because you, you work for Ubisoft, you you work on the Rabbits franchise, and you're like Miyamoto, who like he said in interviews, like Miyamoto is like his like, you know, favorite designer of all time, and he's just like, here's this game that I want to make with your characters, and he was like, yep, so yeah. you would be crying too. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, like, apparently Miyamoto is like a huge part of that process. Like any game that gets pitched to Nintendo, Miyamoto checks it out. Mm-hmm. So I remember the Shovel Knight guys were talking about that. Yeah. Um, they were like, Miyamoto played our game and said it was good enough to be on the Switch. So <laughs> good cool. enough. <laughs> right. Whatever that means. Uh, I guess all I said to the Ubisoft guys was, uh, "Don't make a jumping game." Oh. Because they like already did that. It's called Mario. Yeah. You know, they're, jump they're, they're game. Do, they do Mario jumping games. Yeah. So they're like, okay, it's not. That, that they're sitting around like a boardroom like, game. all right, guys, no game with jump. Yep, no that jump. That fascinates man. me, like, the, the internal vernacular that I'm sure, like, Japanese studios have. Like, we talk about, it's a platformer. Right. It's like, they're talking about a jumping game. Right. Like, Super bare bones. What other, what other classifications do they have for their franchises? Uh, punching games. Is Metroid a jumping yeah. game? Or Probably is jump it a, shoot. A shooter game? A uh, shoot, shoot, yeah, jump shoot, get the, lost. A shoot missile game? Yeah, the jump shoot space. Yeah. I'm really glad that they announced that. Jump shoot space. Um, also, World War Two jump shoot. Mm-hmm, also, mm-hmm. that's that coming go. back. Yeah, that, I saw that coming. Not coming a lot of jump like, though. Oh, no, not, not a lot. Let's jump. jump. It's still in the classic. It's game. a hide, shoot. Hide shoot. Hide shoot. Oh yeah, hide <laughs> shoot. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, yeah. Holy shit! Nintendo announced two Metroid games. Yeah, but so, like, I don't, what am I gonna do with a with a teaser that's four, that says four on it, man? Well, like, how, how far? Is I that think out? they just were like, hey guys, just shut up. All right. <laughs> yeah, shut your fucking mouths. I think Please I think, let us be. I think yeah. especially I think the conversation would have been a lot different if they're like, hey, here's this new side scroller Metroid game space for the 3DS. Jump shoot, yeah. Here's this new space jump, thank you. Um here's this new Metroid game for the 3DS, and people are like, Well, where is there one for the Switch? Like everyone would just be bombarding Nintendo about that. So they might have had that conversation. We're like, let's just we already have four in production, so well, that's how I feel about Monster Hunter. We can get into Monster Hunter. You got Monster Hunter World, and then fucking they're like double cross, double cross and then and then <laughs> fucking GameSpot. All right, no, Game we Spot. should thank them. Should we? Because because of that article, but they gave me a heart attack. They did, but because of that, then the Monster Hunter Twitter was like, "Here's our carefully worded tweet," which they would not have said otherwise. Yeah, but if GameSpot was better at asking the question, they would have gotten. <laughs> they weren't a answering good answer. the question. No, they People were like. Asked. They were like, no. They said nothing to announce. That's what they were saying all show long. And then GameSpot is like, confirmed, not happening. See, that's what I'm saying. That's the, It's their problem. They're like, confirmed, it's not happening. It's like, that's not what they said, though. They said nothing to announce. Nothing then, to and announce. Then, and then they misinterpreted that. And then they wrote a headline on GameSpot that was like, never coming out, ever. Wrong. And then Capcom issued a correction. Which yes. Was like, we have nothing to announce at right, this Right, but that's what they said to begin with. And right. GameSpot twisted it. So everyone was like, it. no. If they just let it be, then Dude, that would have been. Vernon has a perplexed look on his face. <laughs> I don't play a lot of Monster Hunter. I tried to get into it. <laughs> For the 3DS world, and I'm, I'm do you know do you know what we're talking s- about? No. Okay, so it's Double tra- Cross is the it, so we got Monster Hunter Generations, right? Which, which is was, called Monster Hunter Cross in yeah, Japan, of course. And then they made like an update slash sequel called Monster Hunter Double Cross, right? Okay. Um, and so that's the newest Monster Hunter right now. Okay. Uh, I feel like there's another layer to that though, where like usually we only get the expansion versions. Sure. So like we would not get 
four, we would we, get we four as in the Western, the Western, Western gaming yeah. community. They would like they would get four in Japan and then four G G. Uh, like a year later, and then we would get 4G translated as 4 Ultimate. Yeah. Right. So usually we only get like the second version of each generation. Yeah. This time we got the first version, mm-hmm. which confusingly was called Monster Hunter Generations. Mm-hmm. It was called X. So normally we would have gotten Double Cross and not Cross. Sure. Yeah. But they gave us Cross, and now we're like, where's Double Cross? And so we're not talking about it. They announced in Japan that they were going to put Double Cross on the Switch. It's already in, out on 3DS in Japan. in Japan. Yeah. It's already out. Um, and so it was like, oh, fuck, we're going to get Double Cross on the Switch. Sweet. And then GameSpot went out and talked to Capcom and was like, hey, are we getting Double Cross in America on the mm-hmm. Switch? And they were like, nothing to announce. And then GameSpot was like, definitely not coming out on the Switch confirmed never coming to america and then everyone was like fuck and then and then monster hunter twitter wrote a thing that was like our official stance on it is that we have nothing to announce at this time right so okay. hopefully some, we're getting it maybe yeah Just maybe yeah. Uh, i which, hope we do even yeah. though so so i did go to one of the theater hands-off screenings of the the monster hunter world demo oh yeah um which holy shit it looks good Good. Um, is it multiplayer? Yeah. Okay. So so they had so it's two... just Monster Hunter, but with really good graphics. Yes, it is Monster Hunter. There's a lot of minor tweaks all over the place. They had two demos. They had one at Capcom's booth, which had a giant Rathalos busting out of a wall. And I it was saw super, that. Super yeah. cool. Uh, I got some badass photos with that thing. Oh really? That's good. Yeah. And then um, that's like the only thing I was like, man, I wish I went to E3 so I could get a picture with a a one to one scale Rathalos. It was really good because they've had like Gormagala before. Yeah, but it was like half of it. And well, this was half of it, too. But that one, like it was more than it was like his front legs and shit and his whole body. And And the Rathalos was much taller because the Gormagala you could get on top of and like pretend you were mounting it because that was the new thing was mounting and the shit out of them. That's right. This one was just like, nope, it just looks cool. And you can like try to get a photo with it. But. Just looks so anyway. At Capcom, where that statue was, they had a single player only demo of like what they showed in the trailer. What I saw at Sony's booth started off single player and like showed off all the new features and mechanics and stuff. And then, as he was fighting the main monster who has that weird, like, growy snout thing, uh, yeah, that was in the trailer, he's fighting that thing and it's like kicking his ass. And then a Rathalos shows up and the Rathalos is beating the shit out of that thing and him. So then he fires off a like SOS, yeah, flare into the sky, which is in the trailer. But that in real time activates that quest for multiplayer. So they've said that they're still going to have, you know, guild halls and, and all that. So you make a party and go out into quests like in the old ones. But if you're playing single player, you're like, fuck, I'm getting my ass handed to me in the middle of the quest. You'd be like, I need help and fire it off. And then it opens up to. So is it open world? It's not open world. Uh, it's it's hard to explain unless you already know Monster Hunter. But basically it's it's there's multiple maps. Like there's always been like, you know, dunes, deserted, yeah. whatever. Ancestral step. But there's no load times between zones in each map. Oh, okay. So everything's connected. And because of that, it's not just like, here is so a the monster hole. can chase you into every single part oh, of the yeah. map. Oh, yeah. And okay. they can go through all the same paths. So there were some pretty intense parts where, like, he's running and he turns around. And this giant dinosaur is, like, scampering through yeah. this cave that he is as big as. Yeah, okay. So the, like there's no, there's no zone healing anymore. Nope. You can't do that. Um, which I think is why. The, so they got rid of the flexing animation when you heal. Yeah. When you heal, it just slows you down, kind of like Dark Souls style. Um, and I'm sure if you get interrupted during that, you just like you know get hurt and Thank don't get the healing. God. So it's it's still slightly punishing to heal, but I think it's because you can't just like bail out of the zone and heal up and yeah. jump back in. Um, it also means that things they didn't show dung bombs or anything, 
they showed all the different mantles. So that was in the in the trailer where he gets covered in leaves and he's like, oh, I'm being yeah, sleepy. Yeah, yeah, and you can So there's a bunch around. of those. And they showed off two or three in the demo that I saw. One was like that camouflage thing. There's another one that looked like it was covered in scales. And I don't remember what it was called, but it was like basically an aggro thing of just like, the monster's going to be mad at me now. So that'd be really good in a multiplayer setting to be like, oh, the rest of my crew are fucking dead. I'm going to toss that shit on, oh. take some heat off of them. He was using it in single player to lure it out into a different area. I wonder so if they're was, gonna like, have like me. classes and stuff, like a tank, and finally, and um, they said fourteen uh, weapon types, mm. which is what was in generations. Yeah. So I think they're just sticking with that, which I'm frankly happy with. I just need well hunting horn. Great, but it looks gorgeous, good. and good. and I think they absolutely need to make that footage public. Yeah, because and... people are not a fan of the trailer, and I don't really blame them because even things like the scout flies. So. They showed in the trailer, like, the glowy yellow thing that's like, oh, you found some snot yeah. that sneezed on a tree, and it's like, go over here. I and a lot of people were worried, like, oh, is this going to be, like, like simplifying it somehow? Is yeah. this going to be... If anything, it's better, because in, in older Monster Hunters, you have to just kind of know, okay, we're fighting a Rathian, and he tends to hang out in eight, so let's go to eight. Oh, he's not here, all right? We'll just find, like, the first part of the hunt sucks, unless you have Psycho Serum, and they can just pinpoint where he is on the map. Yeah. Then you paintball him, and you're good. This game just sort of turns that more into part of the game. So it's like you're finding, and you fill up a bar every time you find a footprint or some slime or whatever, you fill up a bar. Once it fills up all the way, it just leads you directly to oh, that's cool. to the monster. Which I think is really smart. So you can just ignore that mechanic and be like, I know he's here and just go there. Yeah, simply by virtue of just existing near you guys, I'm probably going to pick up Monster Hunter just because I know I have people to play it with. It's it's going to be, I think, really, really exciting. Um, when Double Cross comes out on the Switch. Yeah, yeah dude. There was some really, really neat, like, just, like, polished stuff in there that hasn't been in Monster Hunter, where there were there were three big monsters in the map at the same time, and they all had their own kind of behaviors, and so they showed this one guy that was a new monster. He kind of looked like a royal Ludroth, but he had, like, these weird dreadlock things on the back of his spine, and he swallowed a, what is it, a Potanoth, whatever the giant, like, herbivore, Brachiosaurus yeah. things are. He swallows one whole... And then goes back to his nest and throws it up, and it's like little babies feed on it. So oh, it's like has this like metal. ecosystem thing going on. Uh, and then the what guy I was watching, he like threw some some like sound flash thing to like lure all the little babies away, and like he snuck through there. Oh my god, this sounds um, fucking awesome. When so then that weird like spiny dreadlock dude showed up during the fight later on, and. The spiny dude and the big nose dude started fighting each other, and it wasn't just like I'm gonna do the same animations against the hunter. It like bit his neck and like picked it up and stuff. It was like interacting with it, like it oh had custom God. animations for that situation. That's so cool. I will stop talking about monster. Basically, it's just it looks fucking good, and it's really, really. Damn. I hope it. it it's this is exactly it. what I was hoping for with Monster Hunter. It was like you could. And gathering is instant. Actually hunt. Oh, my God. And gathering isn't just gathering spots. It's not like, I'm going to go to the bugs and just catch bugs a thousand times. It's like there's a bitter bug on the wall. He was running past, and it was like a bug, and then it had a thing pop up when he got near. It was like bitter bug. Oh, like Zelda. Yeah, if you want to, you can just grab it. Zelda's going to change everything, man. I hope so, oh, man. I'm so like, excited. Three I, I, years I, I, from I now, everything's going to be. More physical, like vertical motion, like movement in games. Yeah. Like I think that was the big revelation of... Uh, Breath of the Wild was that like if you saw somewhere that looked cool it isn't like the Skyrim thing where you have to like hop sideways along mountains yeah. it's just like you can go and, and Monster Hunter has a bit of that same internal logic where like things that you expect to work just kind of work yeah 
And and whereas in Monster Hunter, you would kind of gather things and then craft things to then use in battle. There's things in the environment that you can just use in your hunt. Yeah, climbing in, um, in Legend of Zelda was like that was very reminiscent of climbing in Monster Hunter, wasn't it? A bit. Um because it's it's just sort of well, Monster Hunter has, has predefined spots. Yeah. Spots, climb, yeah. But while you're climbing, it has kind of stamina and you sure. can sort of climb faster. Um But yeah, like there there were some uh there was a flash bug and he somehow interacted with it. I didn't miss I maybe just hit a button on it, but it actually made it like explode with a big flash and it blinded the Rathalos. Mm. Uh, there were these toads that he like kicked and it made like a big electricity shock. Like there's things in the environment that if you're paying attention. At one point, he blew up a bunch of rocks while they were fighting the Rathalos and it made all this water flood the area and it pushed them and the Rathalos down a waterfall into this other area. And oh, it was God. just like, he blew up a tree. So I watched uh, Jared. Jared posted a, like, a long analysis after he saw the demo D3. He was talking about how they blew up a tree and the tree fell over onto the monster. That happened in, in, in my demo, but the tree fell the wrong way. So and they were like, oh, man, what's he doing? He's like putting down some barrel bombs. What's going to happen? And then the tree just kind of fell away from the Rathalos. And then they're like, moving on. We're going oh, to just good. But it wow. seems like I like that's just sort of what happens. Like it's a little bit Japanese sort of game design, man. It's yeah. fucking coming back. It's it's very exciting. And anyway, oh, I, will, I will shut up. I could talk about that demo all yeah. day. It's it looks fucking great. That said, I still very much want Double Cross on the West. I will play yeah. it. The shit out of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I it'll probably come out way earlier, too. That, too. Yeah. I think the best thing I saw at um, E3 was... Kingdom Hearts 3? <laughs> Duh. No, nah, yeah. man. Uh, Ooblets. Have you guys heard of that at all? I've heard of it. I didn't oh, get to see like, it. it. It got popular like a couple months or even a year ago on, on Twitter just because like everything in the game was so jiffable. Mm-hmm. Um Gifable, you mean? Whatever you want to call it, man. Whatever, whatever. Like, look at me in the eyes. Whatever you want to call it, man. I'm, Gif. I'm happy with what you want. The problem no. with that, just to, as an aside, <laughs> is, is like now both sides have a huge argument to make. It's a, it's pineapple mm-hmm. versus no pineapple. Because originally it was like it was gif. Like yeah. everybody was like it's gif. Like why would you add a j sound to a g? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now that the guy said it's gif, it's like oh fuck. Now now <laughs> yeah. we're all screwed. Oh. Um. But yeah, so like Ooblets is a like it's a this weird combination of like Pokemon and Harvest Moon and Animal Crossing, where like you move to this new town and like you uh, get to plant these things called Ooblets, and uh, then you can battle with the Ooblets. So it's like there, there's it's a weird combination of all of these things, and like the art direction is sorry the person the artist uh, their name escapes me now, but um, it was just it's just like these cool just pastel nice things happening kind of art direction to it. And is it just, for like, the Switch? No, I think it's gonna be PC as far as I know. But it won a lot of um um it won a lot of uh best of show awards just mm. based on how cool it looked. And I think it has a release date sometime in twenty eighteen now and it just like it blew me away whenever I saw footage of it. Just like of uh, those are the things that I like. Just look look at all these nice things happening to this nice farm town. <laughs> yeah. There's a new Harvest Moon, I think. Right? Is there? Yeah. I'm so off the Harvest Moon train, man. They, like, they, they is have, that a thing that people get excited about now? The, 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 I think the, Stardew Valley made everyone go, oh yeah, Harvest Moon. Yeah. Because they've been releasing Harvest Moons like one one year, two years apart, and people don't care. Yeah, right. but uh, Stardew Valley just did something different, and man, that just like brought everybody back into like the farming sim Weird. world. Yeah. yeah. I have not played Stardew Valley, but that is coming to the Switch. Yeah, it's coming out on Switch. For, yeah, so that, that's when I, because I bought it so for a PC, and then I was like, oh, I could just wait for Switch, and then like, 
make a friend and then play with a friend. Ah, <laughs> uh, but I have to make a friend. I would be entirely okay if the Switch was just re-releasing like GameCube and oh, Wii U titles. Yeah, like, yeah dude, if I could get Crazy Taxi going on the Switch, I, like, I don't... Dude, Rocket League's coming to Switch. You don't Dream need Crazy Taxi. Oh, you're right. Get your crazy driving on yeah. Rocket League. Oh my god. Nice shot. So, soon to be featuring a Game Grumps flag, surely. That, yeah. Hi, uh, Mr. Rocket League, Mr. League. Sean Sy- League. Sygonus, isn't that Sy- what it's Psyonix? called? Psyonix? Psygonus. Yeah. I don't fucking know. It I just sounds see like the, something out of Pokemon. Yeah. Well, I think there was a there was a PC game development company called like Psygonus or some shit. That sounds like, that. like some like Apogee era yeah. PC dev. Yeah, I, I, I love the I love the names where they clearly like looked up a dictionary of uh, space terms. And I've done this in the past for oh. like things I was working on as well. It's like, like what's a G? Co- <laughs> yeah, what's a good space thing? Apogee. That's the that's the the zenith of an arc, guys. Is like, that why their shit was always space themed? Yeah. Yeah, Shit. yeah. So it has to do with orbits. Vernon changed my entire childhood in one sentence. Wait, who? Apogee. They were like an old DOS developer. Yeah, yeah, I know Apogee. They're the the. It's like yeah, a space the, thing. Yeah, the Apogee. Like the all Apogee of their of loading screens like would be like a giant red planet and stuff. Yeah. When you get to the zenith of your orbit and you're the furthest away from what you're orbiting, yeah, that's yeah. the Apogee. And then what's the closest one? I don't know, space man. That's called crashing to the surface. You know what a zizigy is? <laughs> zizigy. It's when three or more planets align. That's Whoa, cool. Like two thousand one. Yeah. yeah, it's like it has a bunch of Z's and X's and Y's in it. Zizigy. Zizigy. It's a good hangman word. Yeah. Or maybe it just has Z's. No X's. Yeah. Yeah, I think the thing with this um the Z three is that like it's just indicative that like we should probably send more emails before we go to E three so that we can lock time down to play games. But that's yeah. the thing is like, I don't care. I hear about these games and I'm like, great. It's, it's not also, like it's not, not like I'm gonna have a mind blowing experience when there's like thousands of people waiting behind me and I have like five minutes. There was a lot of uh walking around being like, Oh, there's the there's the World War Two shooter and then there's a space shooter and there's the the Heidi third person shooter. Yeah. It was like it, I don't know, maybe it's a product of um having being old a, and y- cynical. Yeah, yeah, but like <laughs> I th- I think with age comes a little bit of patience because I can remember yeah. like getting getting the Nintendo Power with Game Pro and being like, Oh shit, I cannot wait for this game. Like I'm literally having trouble not thinking about this game mm-hmm. um but now it's like i see a game and it's like yeah i got shit to do i'll wait <laughs> well, well yeah it's it's because i think also due to a lot of the reasons we we're talking about earlier like e3 has also become more short-term focused yeah it's less about here's our hot new thing coming out in five years it's more like here's shit that'll be out in a couple months yeah this is like almost final build of the game that we're now showing to you guys it's less common to see that really early reveal like beyond good and evil 2 was like one of the only uh, that and Metroid Prime Four yeah. seemed like the only things that were like kind of a classic E3 reveal. Yeah, of like yeah. this is years out. You're not even gonna see gameplay mm. for like a year and a half. Mm. Um, which is like people got excited for that, but on the show floor, you'll you'll walk by shit. And it's like even if I'm excited for that, I'd rather wait four months and like download it in my pajamas than wait in line for three yeah. hours to play. Unless it. it's yeah. Cuphead. I mean, we 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 did our time. <laughs> Cuphead had a big old crowd. Dude, yeah. the Cuphead uh, vinyl well, it's like, it's soundtrack. Like a, it's like a legend now. Have you seen the... So it's I, been in development for like five years <laughs> or something. The I Am 8-Bit has a vinyl soundtrack for Cuphead coming out. Yeah. And it, it, they, they've designed the packaging to be like a 1930s record. <laughs> so it's all like super... Not even old school. That's like too new. It looks so ancient and... I can't wait. That's I also awesome. hate that like you mentioned a vinyl record. And I was like, I was out. Now I'm back in. I'm never out, dude. <laughs> well, the th- the thing I about this good shit. Yeah, absolutely. if you ever want to just go broke, go to their vinyl collection. <laughs> oh, totally, totally. They, they have a storefront in uh in in Echo Park out here in Los Angeles. Yeah, 
The thing about E3 that baffles me, and it's true of like any party or whatever that goes on like post E3 or like at Comic-Con or something, is that like I came up a nerd, like a, a private, and I have like these three friends that I hang out with regularly, and to go... To go, it's twofold. To go to a place where there's a zillion people and and to play this very singular experience feels weird. Like I want to sit down on my couch and play it, like maybe with a friend. Mm-hmm. Like to, to to have to like rush through this like single player thing where they're just like trying to get people through, like fucking Disneyland or something. It's like this wasn't made to be a thing where you go in and out. Like this is a thing where you sit down and play for 20 hours, you know? Well, because um, E3 wasn't designed for consumers. Yeah, exactly. That experience wasn't meant for fans. Yeah. We uh, were fans of the idea of it, but the reality isn't really for us. Yeah, yeah. And um, and it's for like sorry. investors and shit. Yeah. But then the, but then the second problem I see with that is that like games are more and more designed for that experience now. So like, like the Spider-Man trailer where it was just like, this isn't a game. This is just a really long movie. We, we were so salty watching that. It's stream. like so shit. Like who cares? But like a lot of it, people it, are very excited, and I'm happy for them. Yeah, right. But it's made for that experience for you to like go to E3 and see it and be like, wow, you know, and like, oh, five minutes is up. Get the fuck out, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 there's just, I don't know. I feel like it's ruining. I th- I feel like that's the reason, maybe at least partially the reason why we have all these like, because they can show the fucking intro to Call of Duty or whatever, where it's like, oh, the helicopter crashes and now you're out, you gotta run over here, and, then, and there's the guys like, get down, and then the fuck, oh no, Charlie, get in there, what are you doing over here? It's the villain, and it's just like, I what I'm I haven't even touched the controller yet, like why? But if fuck? you're walking past the booth at E3, you'd be like, holy shit, look at that. Yeah, yeah. That's an um, interesting point. Because, like, you're not going to see a fucking sizzle reel of, like, Tetris <laughs> up would, on, like, the giant fucking screen or whatever, that. you know? Yeah. That'd be awesome. Well, I mean, I, I think it's indicative of, like, how games are sold now. And, like, you need to find hooks within a game. Yeah. And and But the hook is that it's not a game anymore. Mm-hmm. The hook is that it's a movie. For for me, the, the strange thing about E3 this year was, I think, primarily the 15,000 members of the public... Um, which to reiterate, I, I I feel like I have to preface saying anything about that because I don't want to come off as elitist. I don't want to come off. Oh, as, you're already in, as, baby. Yeah, I know. As as like, what, oh, what do you, what do you gotta I say deserve about to be there, and they don't. They have every right to be there if if E3 is selling tickets to be there. But I think that it's the start of a larger shift in what E3 is. Yeah. And as someone who has been multiple times over the past few years. As more or less a consumer, mm. you know, like I have contacts I've met up with E3. I have had behind closed door appointments, but that's a tiny percentage of what I'm at E3 for. Most yeah. of what I'm at E3 for is I want to look at some games. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, I'm not trying to say like, oh man, fuck the public, get those normies out of my out of my E3. What I'm saying is, I don't remember E3 ever having stores inside yeah, yeah. of the convention center before. Yeah, Bethesda had a store where they were selling like Fallout merch and stuff like that. That had a line going around their booth. That is stuff they would have thrown at you as swag before, and now they're really selling hard. it on the show floor. <laughs> I tried really hard to find the uh, yeah, I was at E3 2017. Shirt. <laughs> they were sold out. I, yeah, they sold out they the first day. Out. They sold out the first day because I th- uh, more so because I think people kind of got like the the yeah, it was a meme. the, the yeah. joke about it. Um, I don't know, like it it 
I, I guess I only had the thought right now, but if you look at it from E3's perspective, everything that gets announced at E3 to the press is immediately available online directly yeah. thereafter. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so why I think, I think yeah. it's genius to do this stuff like the Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. As much as I think it's garbage, like it was just like story demo available now, and I was like, oh shit, I could play it right now, and I'm at home in my underwear, like fucking yeah. hell yes, so, and then I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think E3's cognizant of you know the shift in in what uh what a conference for them is for and. Um, you know, to, maybe to maybe, the, maybe it's just evolving, and maybe we're maybe we're being old men. We absolutely are, <laughs> and I, and I openly acknowledge that. I'm not saying, oh man, it's changing and that's bad. To me, it's that E3 was different. It was always not open to the public. It was meant for industry and yeah. press, and we had clearly a desire as a as a collective gaming public mm-hmm. for that kind of experience, and that's why we got things like PAX and RTX. And these sort of conventions that filled that void. Yeah. And PAX is a much better experience for a consumer than E3. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things to do. There's panels. There's places to sit. It's a great time. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of not places to sit. No, E3 is not a place of comfort. It's a place, a place of, of shit flying yeah. in your face. And then even still, when you go to E3 as, as somebody who's like a developer or an investor or whatever the fuck... There's like a whole nother area that the consumers don't know about. Right. There's this giant area and it's just like cubicles. And, and there's and the entire just, second floor of meeting rooms. Yeah, and you just block off time and then you go in and, and it's like a it's like a little room and they got like two screens and it's just like here, check out the shit that we're working on. Yeah. That that's where I saw ukulele last year was in is in that like weird hall of cubicles. Yeah. And I was like this has been here the whole time. Yeah, exactly. And you're like walking past all the labeled doors and you're like, everyone is here. Yeah. Like all the, like not, not the huge players because they have their own VIP areas at their booths, but like, like when we were there, uh, you know, a couple days ago, like Telltale had a giant thing there. Psionics mm-hmm. had a giant thing there of like multiple cubicles that are theirs. Um, and that was really weird. I was like, oh yeah, this is where the business happens. Yeah. Not, not yeah. the show floor. It was actually really uh, interesting change of E3 for me. This is coming out after Sunday, right? What this 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 podcast coming out? It's not Sunday? coming out tomorrow. Okay, great. Yeah, uh, we we made a game. Yeah. Uh, um. So like, uh, we we announced that uh future us as we're whatever. recording it, it's like the, the day after E three. So yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. So it was a lot different of a year for me because I was I was pitching the game to industry contacts that I that I knew and had worked with in the past, just trying to generate interest. So like, it was really going at E three. Um. Partially as a as a consumer, and partially as media, as like part of like the Game Grumps crew or whatever, uh, and then also like talking to people about the stuff that we were working on. Hmm. So it was it was a really 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 different experience, and I think that's probably the reason why I lost my voice. <laughs> yeah, um, got the pitch down real good though. Nice. Yeah, but yeah, the, the, to me the the two big three big shifts that I saw at E three, even ignoring like if I, if I went into it blind, I didn't know that there were fifteen thousand people there that were not there last year. Um, it was the increased presence of stores on the yeah. show floor. Yeah. Um, I saw Bethesda store. I saw a Ubisoft store. E3 had a couple stores themselves, but they've mm. had stores in the past. Um, to me, that was weird that there were lines for the stores. Yeah. Uh, and and Sony has their store outside. They've had a couple years, and that had a line all day. Apparently, they sold out of the, the Kojima production shirts on oh, the first nice. day. Um, it's like a con now. Yeah, it just feels like a con. So it's 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 those stores presence. For, it's also um. The big Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, those big players have always had VIP sections of their booths. Yeah, yeah. That there's like a big burly guard standing. Yeah, outside. I remember last year I met you guys at the uh, at the Capcom booth. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and so like they would always have a VIP area, but I, I at this year, I don't have any data to go off this. It felt like more publishers had VIP areas and they felt bigger. 
it felt like there was a bigger part of their footprint on the show floor was meant for VIPs. Yeah. Which may have been to combat the public. I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Because if, if the public was not even allowed to be in there, then it was presumably everybody in there was press or, right. or above. Like the show floor used to be like the press would walk up yeah. and they would have appointments or whatever. And you could you could theoretically just walk around and see stuff and play stuff. Now, you couldn't even get close to screens because there were so many rows of people watching everything. Wow. Yeah. Every, and so the third prong of this, like, I see E3 changing, is the amount of crowds in places I never saw crowds before. Yeah, so yeah. There, like, there would be booths, like, like a headset manufacturer that would have a stage and they would have lights and they're streaming all day. And you'd see, like, ten people watching it most yeah. years. This year, there would be... People spilling out and saying, I was watching this oh, thing because yeah, it's something to yeah, see. Yeah, some of them, the tweets I saw the most was like people saying like, hey, just stop, 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 stopping walking to take pictures. Like, don't stop in the middle of the hallway. Right. Which is a very like Comic-Con thing to say, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I'd never heard. Some of those hallways yeah. were feeling like Comic-Con. You couldn't move near Nintendo on the first yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You couldn't even get near a screen to see Mario Odyssey because it was just, it was spilling into other people's aisles. There was uh, outside the front of the convention center where where Sony has their their gear store tent thing. Um, I don't know if you were with us. This I think it was last year. They had a I think it was MLB the Show. It was some sports game. Had a bar outside the convention center with yeah. seats, and it was under a tent. And we went there last year because it was basically abandoned, and it was a place to sit. And we got free water from the bar, and it was <laughs> awesome. It was such a great little like pocket of heaven in the middle of e3 and we would just go outside and just like sit there for like an hour just like resting our feet it was packed when i walked by it was flooding over with people next to it they had a batting cage and that had a line of like 20 people wait so last year people couldn't get in last year they did a trial run where they had like a couple hundred yeah i seem to remember there were some people that could it was a little bit but this is fifteen thousand, and and the total capacity of e3 this year was like 60 something thousand so a pretty decent So 15,000 people who weren't industry professionals could get in. Yes. And it was 60,000 was the cap. There was not a cap for E3. That's just like how many people were there. I see. Uh, I think the biggest E3 ever was like 70,000. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of industry professionals aren't like just just walking around with a backpack like, wow, look at it. They're, they're, like, they're like doing things. For... Right. I, that was me for several years. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. just like, wowie, I want all the swag I can get. Yeah. Oh boy, thanks Nintendo for, for the Wii Sports Resort Frisbee. Because even last I'll year it was it fondly. It was crowded, but like the way you're describing it, like it didn't wasn't that crowded, you know, it was like... It was pretty nuts. I mean, and, and it, it wasn't just physical crowds everywhere. It was, I couldn't walk up and play anything. Wow. Which, I mean, I've waited in tons of lines at E3 before. But two years ago, before Smash came out, I could ju- I I went up and played it like four times. Right, you well, would on, not on the able... on the big screen, the I one that had that. the longest line because we were trying to win those medals. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I lost twice, and then I won twice or yeah. whatever. No, you would not have been able to play it once on any monitor anywhere. Good lord, it was it was. I all... played every game there yeah. that 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 year. Yeah, we didn't need a VIP tour of Nintendo's booth, yeah. but we did this year. Gee whiz! Which being which, Mario Odyssey is so good, and I'm really excited. I wish October was now because I want it. I want it. Really? It's good. It's fun. It just is fun. It's like it's like when I played Breath of the Wild and I was like, oh, it's just fun. It's just good. It feels like that. Cool. I don't need to go in more that detail. Is, that is literally legitimately the thought I had when I was playing Breath of the Wild. My like my like cynicism version <laughs> like was just like getting melted away. And I was yeah. just like, I like this. Yeah. 
I like picking up things. Yeah. <laughs> In, in Mario Odyssey, he's like, I'm going to throw my hat onto that. Yay! <laughs> yeah, we spent a lot of time with the Fedora content on that. Oh, um, yeah. Made sure to buy that Mario Fedora. Yeah, it was a race against time. You didn't know how much time you had left. Yeah, you it was just, a 10-minute like, demo that I played multiple times. So it was just like, I just spent as much time as I could not doing the main objective. Yeah. Because it would be like, oh, like, go to the sparkly tower. And I'd be like, nope, I'm going to go around it. And then I found a sheep wearing a sombrero. I found a taxi cab trapped in ice. I found all kinds of weird shit. Yeah. It was super oh, reminiscent yeah. of, of Super Mario 64, even down in the moves now, which I thought was really, really appreciable. It you, felt really good. There was a lot of new thing. moves. So um, apparently last year, Jared was trying to, he like played Breath of the Wild a ton. And he was like trying to do everything, mm -hmm. like get as far as he possibly could. I, I basically hit the end of the Mario Odyssey demo for New Donk City. Because uh -huh. when the last time I got to play it, <laughs> new dogs, yeah, I know. Like you know, like like they know, and we know, and we all we all just know. Like we get it. Yeah. Like thank what, you, thank was, you for memeing with us. So Nintendo. what is the reason? Like what what changed? That that things are fun with Nintendo. Again? Yeah. Like there was a period where it was just kind of like what the fuck Nintendo. So Come apparently on. they like have an entire new development office that's just full of people making games. Is that the Treehouse? Is that what it's called? No, Treehouse is okay. Nintendo of America. Got and I it. think it's like testing and localization. Sure. Um, like in Kyoto, they apparently have like a whole new thing. I think it's that. I think it might also be. I mean, I have no idea how Nintendo is structured internally. Yeah. I mean, well, presumably you get into the, you get into the the boardroom. Everybody sits down and like someone walks in. And they're like, ah, memes, huh? Yeah. Pretty like, what wild. The, what the fuck happened between Skyward Sword and Breath of the Wild? So my theory. It's the same fucking guy. My theory is that people who are under the old guard of Nintendo, like Miyamoto and his cohorts. You know, to make it sound super negative, I think that they just sort of had like an iron grip on everything happening, and they weren't making so many games that they couldn't do that. And my theory is that over time, they've had people who've been working at Nintendo for a decade plus who've proved themselves being like, I have an idea, let's make Splatoon. And they're like, oh shit, okay, sure, let's do that. So I think those smaller players in Nintendo are getting a bigger voice internally, mm. and they're sort of like bringing in this new energy and new spirit. And, of course, you have Miyamoto and Aonuma and all these guys at the top who are like, yes, this is what a Zelda game is. But I think they're, I don't know, I, I just get a sense that there's people who join Nintendo because like, I fucking love Nintendo games. Instead of like, I guess I'll work at Nintendo, it's a job. Yeah. And now that they're being heard, they're like, kind of bringing back to Nintendo the spirit of Nintendo they got when they were playing yeah, Nintendo yeah. games. This is all theory. This is based on nothing. Yeah. I have nothing to base this off of. That's just the vibe that I get. It feels like people that love Nintendo games or making Nintendo games. Because mm. Splatoon was entirely a prototype made by some some people off of, like, the Mario team. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that that is weird to think about, right? Like, I'm 30. Mm -hmm. I played Super Mario Brothers when I was, like, three. Right. And I grew up on it, and I grew up on Super Mario World and stuff. So, like, now I'm at the age where I, I could be contributing to that community. Like, I could be working at Nintendo and, like, having... If you got a job at Nintendo when you were 20, you have had 10 years of experience there. Yeah. That's and like you... that guy... What was that forum post? Oh, the guy the, the guy who... who works for Nintendo? Yeah. He was like, it's my dream to work <laughs> at Nintendo of Japan as a logo. And everyone's like, ha sure. And then, like, literally, he was the translation guy for Breath of the Wild. Right. There's a photo, oh, yeah. There's yeah. A photo of the development team for Breath of the Wild, and they're all Japanese, and there's one white guy. Yeah. And that was him. He's just like, like, ha! He's, like, he's living everyone's dream. I did dream. it! <laughs> he did it! That's so cool. So, That's wholesome, man. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I just, it does feel like... And also, maybe it is like a top-down decision that with the Wii, they made a really big push towards casual gaming and making 
gaming super family friendly. Yeah. Which Nintendo yeah. always has been, but I think they correctly perceived the majority of the industry moving towards more quote unquote mature experiences. Mm. And Nintendo was like, hey, we're making this thing where you just waggle your arm. Let's market that to everyone. And it worked. And a lot of people bought the Wii. And as a result, I think that they're... Best-selling game of all time, right? Wii Sports? Something like that. I don't know if, like, The Sims or Minecraft is still up there. No, I think it's literally Wii Sports is still the best-selling game of all time. That's absurd. But, yeah, yeah, it sold insanely well. And... But people like us were like, okay, what else does the Wii have for us? And they were like, how about Skyward Sword? How about Metroid Other M? And we were like, we're not fans of these. And then with the Wii U, they were sort of... The Wii was just a whole other situation where they... I think they had... Conflicting ideas what of what the bizarre situation too, because it, it's like you you look at the switch now and it's like, oh, this is what they wanted, <laughs> right? This is what they've been building up to, but they just didn't have whatever enough technology or like know how, or they were like, well, we can't stop making consoles, and that that's as an aside, that's the crazy thing about Beyond Good and Evil too, that the creator uh, Michelle Ancel was like. Yeah, we had this idea years ago, and then we made a couple Rayman games because the technology wasn't ready for us to make this game. Wow. So we made Rayman Legends and, like, Rayman Origins. Which is fucking... To have that idea of, like, we'll just put this on hold for, like, ten years. Well, didn't Naughty Dog do that, too? Yeah. They had they had the idea for Uncharted, and they just didn't do it for, like, four years because they were like, people don't look good in video games. Wow. So we're going to wait until they start looking good. Boy, they look good now. Have you oh, seen yeah. Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. They look like real, livable, breathing people <laughs> made out of plastic. Uh, yeah, I, I was hearing stuff about Beyond Good and Evil and how like fucking absurd it is. Like, I guess, I guess there's like a like a star engine in it. Yeah, they, they, they've shown footage where they go from the surface of a planet out into space in real time, and it's like, well, oh, no man's sky could do that too. There's like. 10 seconds oh. of, of gameplay. It's just like a dude flying in a jetpack around some elephant statue and then it goes out into space and you're like, oh, all right. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe like I just got a lot of hype fatigue. Like when, when something like No Man's We've Sky We've been burned happens. a yeah. lot. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't know, even from like the Nintendo 64 days, man, like I saw those screenshots of what Mission Impossible was supposed to look like and then I played Mission Impossible and was not that. So like <laughs> that, was so that, a, that was a rent that I regretted. Yeah, that, that was literal. this is literal decades of my feelings being hurt by promises made to me by game developers and like maybe at this point in my marketers, life. Marketers, the, the marketers are lying the to the ripe old age of 28, like I just, uh, like I'm afraid to be over-promised to, so because of that I curb my expectation for a lot of things and enjoy being yeah. Pleasantly surprised when I do enjoy something. I think there is sort of mm-hmm. a like presumption you can make about when somebody says something when like what they really mean is. Yeah, and they're yeah. like, we're gonna have real time food eating or whatever, and it's like, whoa! So you're actually gonna take bites at it? It's like, no, nah, they're just gonna fucking. Yeah. It's gonna be a thing, and you press A, and then look, look at all happen. these permutations of guns that we have. It's in the five hundreds of thousands. It's like, yeah. all right, cool. I'll put but they're on, all I'll just put like the iron sight. There's all just like three guns, yeah. and like it just makes them sort of like the, the number values are different or whatever. Yeah. I, I think the the other piece of the Nintendo puzzle that we were talking about, I think part of it might the simplest explanation is just that they've got, they've gotten better at making games yeah. that suit hardcore and casual players. Yeah. So like one of the design decisions that I think is really smart in in Mario Odyssey is there's no one ups anymore. They've completely gotten rid of one ups. When you die, you lose ten coins. And I didn't test this, but my theory is that you lose fewer coins upon successive deaths. Mm. I don't know, but that's kind of what I would guess. There was no fall damage. I, I did try There's to. There's no fall damage. I did try to backflip off the highest. He just kind of breaks his shins and like shivers. He's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's really fun. Um, 
And and normally you'd be like, okay, he loses 10 coins, whatever. But coins have value in, in Mario. There's things you buy with like coins. Like fedoras. Like, well, f- yeah, fedoras and, and oh, yeah. stickers and things. So and other different types of fedoras. So losing coins has a real ramification, however slight on the game. But it means that you're amassing hundreds and hundreds of coins. So losing coins as a penalty for death isn't a big deal. So before when they had a one-up system in Mario... To make it easier for players that were less experienced, they would just throw one-ups at you non-stop. Just, here's one-ups. You're getting one-ups for everything now. Yeah. 50 coins gives you one-up. Not 100, 50. And it just sort of meant it, it, it made everything feel less consequential. Yeah. Because death had no real impact on you. Yeah. And this feels like a much more elegant solution to that problem of, we want there to be a punishment for dying, yeah. but we don't want to just give people lives. So what you're saying is Mario Odyssey is the next Dark Souls. Yes. The permadeath. You gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta get your coins back like Sonic when yeah. you die. I'm really excited for New Mario Plus. Dude, Mario Odyssey has stacks of coins. Just like stacked. And you run into each and it just like falls on you. It's like... And oh, it just feels, feels real so nice, yeah. good. Oh, man. You turn a corner in New Donk City and just find like five piles of coins of different heights. And it's just... It doesn't matter. It just feels good. God, whenever you say new, just, new Donk City, man, that's just like, that just warms my you heart. You make a like, left on Cranky like, Street? Like, I know, you know, <laughs> Nintendo knows, like, we're full meme now. Oh, dude, I, I totally threw my hat into that guy from the trailer. Yeah. He drove that little remote control car around. Mm-hmm. It felt great. And then I disembodied his soul. And I stole it in, into Mario's Yeah, and he looked at his realm. watch and he's like, what, where did all this lost time go? Yeah. Well, so like, why is there blood on my hands? <laughs> right. I, I love the concept of that, because that's something that I constantly think about. It's just like, we're, we're in this era of, like, sarcasm and cynicism and memeing. Yeah, you know. everything's a meme. Yeah, everything, exactly. Like, everything, nothing. lost the idea of what a meme is. Yeah, nothing's sincere anymore. Like, everything's just kind of like, wink, wink, you yeah, know. Yeah, it actually bothers me a lot. You can't really tell a serious story on the yeah, internet. Yeah, yeah. Because we're, we're all wrapped in so many layers of just, like irony but then you have something like mario where it's like you know you hear new donks and you're like ha 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 yeah wink wink but also it's a really good game yeah i'm not against i'm not i'm not against the donk yeah Um, well it's it's a kind of it's just kind of like surface sarcasm and then like underneath it's like uh, when you when you break my tough exterior (laughs) you'll find that i'm truly depthy I, i got a i got a really big really real thing for the concept of sincerity wrapped in cynicism yeah like i I think that's a a really powerful thing that you can do especially like now that all of us are like uh internet hard asses and like we've Mm -hmm. we've we've seen like we we spent so many years on twitter and and nothing can be serious but like when you dig deep enough to find the serious thing that's so rewarding but that's like the the result of internet culture because you can just put anything out there yeah so like the the immediate self-defense is because if you're vulnerable on the internet you're vulnerable like people Mm -hmm. will attack you you know But if you wrap it in something that's like, oh, haha, well, you know, it's just, it's a joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a gag. Right. So when it, when you see memes like, you know, when, when I'm trying to think of like a sincere, cynical meme, but it's, it's like a meme when it's like. The, the whole, the concept is wholesome memes. When, right? Yeah. When somebody. Such a great. Oh yeah. Such a great thing. Gives me life. Yeah. But it's like, that's legit. Like that's a real feeling, but it's mm-hmm. like a joke. So haha. Except, so the, the, the Mario approach isn't. Uh, sincerity wrapped around with cynicism it's just bursting with positive energy everything is just delightful yeah and adorable like every what, enemy what's, what's the term like genki is that the, genki? Like, like a genki can do attitude uh, i don't know is yeah. that a japanese I believe Gen- so, yeah. Gen- yeah i guess genki. so but Gen- genki, genki is like guy. is like yay energy yeah so he's got a lot of gink in his tank <laughs> gink <laughs> And, New uh, Gank City Gank and his tank got the donk it's it's like i don't know if you guys saw the the moai heads in odyssey Mm-mm. um 
They're giant. They look like they popped right out of the box art from Mario Land One, which is just like a weird thing in and of itself. And they have like earrings, and they're walking around, and they're like all like they have, like walk cycles really goofy. And when you get near them, they get scared and like scamper away. And yeah. they have these big '90s ass sunglasses. And if you if you capture them, because they're not saying possessing, you capture them. If you capture one of them, then all your abilities are, or you can put on or take off his sunglasses. <laughs> Granted, the sunglasses let you see invisible shit, yeah. but just you can mash it, and he just flips up and down. You just get this like whoop, 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 of like the sunglasses going up and down off his head, and he slow and he moves slower when the sunglasses are on. And it's just like this. This could have been the exact same mechanic done by like another developer would have been like okay, like hold the X button to use like infrared sight. You know, like mm. it, there's a thousand ways you can do that reveal hidden things or like even zelda has had the eye of truth or whatever it is where you equip an item and now you can see things yeah uh and this one you you turn into a silly stone head and you get to waddle around in the sand and be really goofy and put on sunglasses so it's like yeah everything in that game is just like what's it's the funny. silliest way we can accomplish this goal yeah is what it feels like their mantra was and and that's so refreshing um especially because it's done so smart mm-hmm. maybe like, no go ahead no i, I mean i i i, I could Again, I could talk about it forever, but it's, it's maybe what you were smart. maybe what you're saying earlier about like the fans are now working for it. I, maybe that's accurate because I can see it too with like Sonic. You know, it's like we know we know Aaron, the Sonic guy who Mania runs the Sonic is Twitter, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like it's like these are dudes who acknowledge what Sonic is to a lot of people, you know, mm-hmm. and to them he is as well. But these are also people who do genuinely love Sonic. So like there's two there's two sides it's not like it's not like the forget that here's this it's like the no 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 we get it also we love it so here's something that we made with love right but it's got a little layer of it's like so like Sonic Mania you see coming out it's like people working on that game are fucking they love Sonic right so it looks like it's going to be at least what Sonic fans will really like I'm not a Sonic fan but like looking at it I can see why any Sonic fan would be like fucking this is right incredible absolutely. Um, uh, I didn't get any time to play Forces, but at the very least, Mania looks like. But so then, then, then if Wait, that's sorry, the trend, uh, Mania is the OC character creator one, right? That's Forces. Forces. Got forces it. is their new next gen 3D Sonic thing. Mania yeah, is the, yeah, okay. the 2D throwback. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm so excited um, for Mania then. Yeah, well, Forces has the the OC shit, which is yeah. I'm all about that. That's gonna be fun. Good, good old fashioned meme. I was hoping to play it at E3, but again, lines around lines around lines. Um... Even then, it's like, what if Forces is the best game ever? Then it's then it's just another example of like they get it. Sincerity There's Sonic OCs, and that's how they're presenting it. Yeah, and... I don't know, man. I spent a lot of time thinking about like the creator's relationship with the fan base, and like, uh, like what is uh what is okay to be inside of the joke on with your fans, and what is um, what is uh inviting to like potentially have a fan base take over a creation mm-hmm. so i think that there's a weird tightrope that you walk of like like we acknowledge that this is this is a thing that that fans feel like over a lot of the overwatch stuff like it's really cool that mm-hmm. um overwatch acknowledged that gremlin's a diva and then soldier 76 is a dad but at what point and they put the reaper shrug yeah. in the game but yeah i think you've seen a lot of examples of like toxic fan bases that have that have um sort of like turned against uh uh, property specifically because it didn't develop in the way that they thought it was going to develop and then and thusly hated it for it. Mm. So it's a, it's a really, really strange relationship that I find myself like thinking about way yeah. too often. I know there's people that don't like that Overwatch is like 
taken in the fan uh, the stuff. Meme. Yeah. yeah, I think they're very particular about what they do and don't take in. Though. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've said in the past that like they see themselves as curators of the brand. Yeah, which I think is a very nuanced way of of talking about that relationship. That, Absolutely, like, they embrace. And I think the, the fans, right way. Yeah, they embrace what the fans are doing with the. The property without being like, yep, rule 34 is canon, you know? <laughs> like, they still can, yeah, choose, yeah. They can pick and choose what they're doing. But that's cool because, like, uh, like people are creating things about uh, things like Overwatch because they're excited about it. And I think that's a really, really special thing for, like, a creator and fan relationship is, like, yes, like, let our creativity help you build upon your creativity. And I think that's such a cool oh, yeah. world. It, it, it's um, also, like, the developers rewarding fans for having good ideas. Yeah, yeah, Like, I yeah. saw someone make the recommendation that... um. Anna, who has a sleep dart, yeah. should have a pillow spray because you yeah, can spray it on yeah, people's yeah. heads, and that's in the game now. Absolutely, yeah, and, <laughs> like, th- and that's exactly how you should be doing it. It's um, I don't know, like I think we're we're still in this really like, uh, really new, uh, new media. I think we're in this new media uh portion of like uh game creation and especially like media creation where it's like it's us still trying to figure out that right. relationship or the, like the, what the, what what's the what's the good part of that, which I think is the creativity, and what's the bad part of that is which is can be pointed at in several like lo- uh, several different like case studies of like oh this is where a toxic fan base formed right I, th- I think the thing to be careful about you know I think we're having a lot of very positive examples mm-hmm. with Sonic Mania with the idea of Nintendo fans making Nintendo games however real or not that may be um, to me the concern is well the the danger there is then you have fans making essentially fan games that aren't going to innovate or iterate upon those ideas the same way the original creators could because if you create something you can do whatever you want with it no one can tell you no they can be upset that you did something with it but it's your baby yeah whereas if someone else comes in and makes a mario game it's like well are they gonna take risks with that idea yeah they're gonna do weird shit and make it fun but are they gonna like could could mario sunshine be made by mario fans like that kind of idea i guess i think so you think so yeah, why not? Well, okay, fucking, like, I, I mean, I've seen examples of legit game developers doing what you're saying the fans would do. <laughs> like, they just yeah, suck sure. and they don't iterate on it at all. No, absolutely. I think that's that's when you become kind of a victim of your own success. You're like, oh, I can't change it. Yeah. Because people will get upset. They have an expectation of what it will be. So, I mean, it does go both ways. But to me, the idea of like, well, what if what if in 100 years we we have the same like 30 franchises and they're all made by fans and then we're just getting the same game every year? Like, that would suck. Yeah, okay. sure. Well, I feel like we were there for a while. Mm-hmm. We were, but I don't think that was because of fans. I think like early twenty was... tens. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is like you don't the... need fans to have that cycle. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like fans would. I mean, because there are a lot of. I mean, just think of like not not that I agree with it, or or but but there was like that video a while ago that was like what I think Sonic should be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, that was, it was like huge... the really cartoony, weird Sonic with the long legs. Yep. That was a huge um, inspiration for me. That yeah, video. but it was like innovative and and neat, and it was like, oh, that's an interesting idea. Like, I didn't think it sounded very interesting, but it was cool that somebody was mm-hmm. coming up with like, here's how I would work it in and, right. and change it and make it different. Um, so that video is called Dear Sega, and um, for me, that was a huge inspiration for how about this game. Besides sequelitis, which I think is the obvious inspiration, in that in that video, he says like, here's here's what is wrong with Sonic, and here's how I would fix it. And to me, just 
even though I again I disagreed with a lot of what he wanted yeah. Sonic to be, he still did. So he, he still put something yeah. on the table and was like, "Here is moving the discussion forward." Yeah. I was like, "That is so much more valuable." Yeah. Than just saying this sucks. Yeah. Well, because we, I, I think the collective thought, like the Twitter, Facebook, whatever, the forums thought, is that like there's a right way and a wrong way. Mm-hmm. When it's just like, no, Mario was created by a dude who right. wanted to make a game. Like, there's no maybe. And and part of this is speaks to a little bit of why the Zelda sequelitis is a little weird for me now to think about. But I was like, you know, what what was Zelda when it started? Like I was trying to figure out like what Zelda was, mm-hmm. as opposed to like what Zelda, you know, could be or whatever. Because Breath of the Wild is like fucking is that is that classic Zelda or not? Like it kind of right. is, but not really. Um, so I, I think it. Like I said, a lot of people think that things are like a right way or a wrong way, but it's like, no, it's just a way. And you got to like give it to people and be like, hey, what do you think? And people, this is great, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like that whole fucking spaghetti sauce thing that uh, Malcolm Gladwell talks about. Oh. Where it's like they were trying to figure out what like what ingredients of Pepsi they had to get like perfect and like they nothing was conclusive. And it was like, oh, no, no, if we just like made a bunch of weird subsets and then just like let people find out what they liked then we'd find out what they they didn't even know that shit existed Mm -hmm. um go watch that video spaghetti sauce malcolm gladwell anyway Uh, vernon's doing a the awkward like oh don't don't throw me out like (laughs) that i looked at the time and we're we're in an hour and now and like I feel really put on blast here that I'm trying to make sure that this yeah. is the right time. Well, no, no, it's just always funny because everyone's like, what do we do? Yeah. It's like, just, we can't just, just say it. that we're at an hour. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening. This well, has been I, great. I want, I want to oh, okay. Go for it. Um, E3 is is changing. And, yeah. and I think I may or may not go next year. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, so far, the, the, ES, the ESA has already put out a press release. Like, this is a really successful year. Yeah. 15,000 members of the public and this and that. So doesn't seem like that's going to change um i would like to see e3 go to a tgs or gamescom approach where there's industry days and public days yeah um i think that would benefit everyone because then the industry would just get all their shit done and get out and then the public would have more room because people would get their shit done Um, yeah maybe there's a happy middle ground there um i don't i don't i wouldn't i'm hesitant to say that this e3 was a wash i think i i I still got some good the work that i needed to get done there and I, i saw cool things and uh, you know like it, it was a it was a really fun experience overall i, I um, also feel really bad because i met a fair number of grump fans at e3 who yeah. were like oh my god it's my first e3 and i'm so excited and i was like yeah let's let them be happy it's like man. i don't want to take like, that from you i remember my first yeah like, e3 four e3s e3 being e3 like, okay oh my god i'm here like the first e3 i went to uh was 2012 which was like the knee-jerk reaction to the the huge success of the wii so playstation was coming out with their movement uh, technology and xbox was coming out with their movement technology and every single booth at e3 was just people flailing their arms around and as a, someone who'd grown up reading nintendo power like i can't wait to play these games and then coming in in 2012 when it was all motion-based stuff mm-hmm. that was heartbreaking <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry vernon well you know it, it behooves the the industry as well to have those separate days because the those two subsets of people are looking for two different things right exactly like the industry is trying to like evaluate and report on these games which obviously the game developers want and then if so, if they're intermingled with people who are just there to be like, ha ha ha, it's like they're not going to get as much press or like coverage because mm-hmm. they have to wait for fucking, you know, Joe Schmo to be like, I love this game. Right. 
Um, and he's going to talk about it with maybe two of his friends. <laughs> right. Because, like, I, uh, we didn't talk about the IndieCade booth at all, but we spent a little bit of time there. Yeah, I, I, got, yeah, to, yeah. I got to play Disco Bear. Oh, yeah. Which is my How game of the show. Disco Bear is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Ten minutes playing the entire thing on, on the E3 show floor. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's online anywhere, but check out Disco Bear. That's my <laughs> recommendation. Really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, yeah, if you, it's like, I don't think, I, I don't know, but I don't know if IndieCade does VIP booth tours for the press. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, oh, I want to check out this game. They had some VR games on the corner of their booth that had lines snaking around to check them out. So unless you have a VIP experience for the press, you can't just be like, hey, press, check out my game. Walk on over. Like that experience doesn't work with this. Mm-hmm. Sure. Unless you're a big booth at E3, the public doesn't really benefit you because it's not packs. It's not the same thing as like we want to, you know, hang out with fans and, and be like gamers together or whatever. Sure. Um, so I don't know if I go next year, I, 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 I will probably make more appointments mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of just winging it. Like I usually do. Cause that just didn't work this year. Mm. And, and I heard people like, uh, Gerard was saying online that like members of the press were getting bumped for certain interviews really? to, to make room for public things. So it's like, I think it's like kind of a growing pains thing that like no one really knew what to expect but yeah and i I also heard some debate about like if the security was good enough for like oh we just walked right in yeah yeah, security was overwhelmed yeah i've been um every other e3 i've been to uh they check ids at the door and uh there was a i I don't know i mean maybe that's just my experience because i heard other people saying that uh security was greatly increased so i don't know what's going on but like that's sort of like the that's sort of the chatter that's going on right now between like industry people was like was it actually safe for us to be there hmm I think it was, but mm. is E3 a company? It's run by the ESA, which is the Electronic Software Association. Um, okay, I don't, I don't know exactly. That's it's just so weird to me for me to think like so many people that are getting in for free, and then there's thousand dollar tickets or whatever. Like, where is that going? What is that paying for? Mm-hmm. How much are booths people paying for? It's just Probably a weird a lot. structure. All I know is that E3 doesn't stand for anything anymore. It used to mean the Electronic Entertainment Expo. Yeah. Now it's just E3. Didn't Tom Kalinske help start that? Because they, they weren't getting enough. Maybe. Because video games were becoming such a huge... E3 started as like part of CES. Right. Because so, you know, Nintendo and Sega and stuff would have booths at CES and nobody was taking them seriously because even though it was like a huge fucking industry, they were like, let's just make our own fucking show. Fuck CES. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they make made, our own CES with beer and hookers. Yeah, so they made E3. <laughs> and then it had hookers for a long time. Um, and I think Tom Kalinske was like on the board for E3 or jokes something. Babes. I don't know. It's in Console Wars. Read that. It's a good book. I would I would be very curious to learn if Kalinske had a hand in that. Yeah, I think so. And he had a hand in the ESRB too. That dude got around. Yeah, I mean, he's got his he's got his fingerprints all over everything in the gaming industry. Mm-hmm. For 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 a guy that you know just like came in and was like, "What the fuck's going on here?" Like, <laughs> he really changed. Y'all need to grow up. Yeah, it's just it's just smart dude. Yeah. Well, shit, I got nothing else. Yeah, we did it. I kind of like this uh this whole G Club thing, man. Like we we started off at E three and we went on a, like a really like introspective tangent, and then we came back to E three. Yeah, dude. That's what the G Club's all about. It's called, yeah. a, it's called a topic sandwich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Write that down, whoever's listening to this. It's copyright the old topic sandwich thanks for listening to the g club if you liked it let us know if you didn't like it keep it to yourself no i'm joking joking. nothing but positivity in the comments no if if if, yeah uh, scream at me all you want genuine wrapped in cynicism how about that yeah give us a cynic a cynic sandwich sincerity sincerity sandwich sincerity sandwich cool 
<laughs> the, 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 the compliment, compliment, negative compliment. There you go. There you I, go. I love you. Have a good night. Bye. Or day. Uh...